from high atop his mountain of index cards and tournament brackets, this is The Joy of Booking, a fantasy booking podcast. Here's your host, DC Matthews. Thank you, Brandon Banks. Welcome back to The Joy of Booking. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Uh, I got a weird one for you today, friends. This is not... Uh, a Corona Cup Tournament of Nerdiness episode. This is not a fantasy booking uh, to WrestleMania episode. This isn't even a Joy of Baking episode. Uh, yesterday, which would be Saturday, Happy Halloween to you and yours. It'll be over by the time you hear this, but I hope it was uh, safe and festive all at the same time. Safe and festive. Sefestive? Can we make that a thing? I don't think we can make that a thing. Um, I was... Uh, well, I was going to start with the story from yesterday, but that's never quite been how this... This is before that. How shall I begin? What is this? This is just an index card that means nothing. Um... <clears throat> I have never been in love with Dave Meltzer's way of ranking things. It's never been my thing. I'm not a fan of his um, stars system. Uh, He's obviously biased. It doesn't uh, make a lot of sense. You have, you know, negative star matches, but then you have duds. So is a dud a zero-star match? Is it a negative match? Is it the worst it could? Like, I don't... I've never gotten it. And yet, I have wanted to come up with a way to quantify and qualify the quality of wrestling matches. And I don't know that there's ever going to be a perfect answer. I don't think it exists, because I think... The problem is that um, art is subjective. What I consider to be a good wrestling match or a wrestling match worth my time uh, is not necessarily the same as you, gentle listener. So there's inherently a problem. Um, And so I was looking at some results I was watching NXT yesterday. I'm pretty much caught up at this point and with the U.S. version. And I was, you know, looking at the matches and I happened to think to myself, well, hey, Cage Match, which I believe is a German website, cagematch.net, has a way for you to become a member and vote. And rank the quality of matches, and then it aggregates um, that number. Now, I'm using Cage Match for a future project that we'll get to probably sometime in uh, 2022. Uh, If you're a regular listener, you know what I'm talking about. I used Cage Match for that to help with uh, something. You'll find out. Uh, And so I said, well, hey... It was a Saturday. I hadn't filled out a spreadsheet in a while. I said, hey, 
what if I went on to Cage Match and I looked at the matches from 2021, because that's the year it is, um, and I looked at all the shows, all the televised shows in the WWE, and I said, what if I tried to figure out how many of them were above a certain ranking according to the people of Cage Match? And then I thought it would be interesting to then do that also with AEW. Um, not because I want to compare the two. I don't think it's fair um, to compare the two. But I would just look and see what the data showed uh, from both companies. And so that's what I did. I, I was able to figure it out. I went back to the very first Raw or SmackDown, whichever one it was. Um, and I went through and I decided arbitrarily I decided that I would record any match that had a ranking of seven or higher it's on a 10 point scale so a seven or higher um, I did not consider uh, bad matches although I could I thought about it as I was going because some matches are ranked low and some are ranked high but I want to focus on the positives being the post pope of positivity and I went through all the shows. Like I said, all the televised shows. Raw, SmackDown, NXT, NXT UK, main event, 205 Live, all the pay-per-views. If you can call them pay-per-views anymore. We really should decide on what we're calling them because pay-per-views are the wrong name. Um, and I wrote down the date, the show, and the participants. And I have that information. Um, and then what I did is I went ahead and got rid of the date and the show on a separate sheet and just focused on the participants, put them all into one column, um, and then made something called a pivot table, which enables me to see who had the most seven plus matches on uh, in 2021 as of the end of October, because they ranked through till things. So now, before we, we talk about what the data shows, let me, of course, offer as many disclaimers as I can find. At no point is this supposed to be an accurate ranking. This is a reflection of the people who go to cage match. So you have to know that cage match is, exists, you have to have taken the time to register, because I don't believe you can rank people unless you're a registered member. Um, and then you have to be willing to go through and rank these matches. So that shows a certain subset of the wrestling population. Because if you were to poll, and I always enjoy talking about this, if I went outside of, I think SmackDown was at Mohegan Sun, down the road, fun fact, got engaged there. Um, if you were to uh, pull 100 people coming out of SmackDown and you were to say, hey, how do you ever go to the website Cage Match? Most of them, I'm going to assume, would say no. If I then took those people, let's say it's 40%, uh, so you go to Cage Match. Are you a registered user of Cage Match? Most of those people would say no. Now I'm dealing with maybe 10% of the population. 
Um, so I understand this is not a real accurate representation. Um, and there's no real way to do that. Uh, but it at least gives us an idea of what matches were good um, according to the, the Vox Populi, the voice of the people, uh, and who was in the most of them. Um, so I think that's all I can give. What well, we understand it is a European website. Um, so, you know, I, I would say that is going to skew some of the data for better or worse. Um, I think I've reached all my uh, disclaimers. Having said that, uh, here's what I learned. Um, impressively enough, the first thing, so sheet one, I have four sheets here on this uh, document. Uh, sheet one is organized in terms of the show. And I think it's pretty impressive that 205 Live, which, again, a very specific subset of the wrestling populace is watching 205 Live. I'm not watching 205 Live. But 205 Live, um, mostly this spring, uh, from March through May, uh, had one, two, three, four, five, six matches that were seven Ranking of seven or above, which is pretty impressive. Um, it's not that these wrestlers aren't great, but when I mention the wrestlers, we have, you know, the first one is Mansoor versus Kurt Stallion. We've got August Gray versus Arya Davari. Uh, we've got Ever Rise in a tag team match. We've got Ari Sterling versus Grayson Waller. I don't even know who Ari Sterling is. I know who Grayson Waller is now, um, but I don't know who Ari Sterling is is or was because it is worth noting most of the people that are here are no longer employed but i thought it was impressive that they even had six matches so if you're you know i will happily share this data with anyone who is interested um if you want to go back and watch the matches that you had you know missed the quality matches um and again i picked seven out of ten as a very just that was the one I went for. I could have done six and would have had way more matches. Um, I could have done eight and had far less, but I went with a solid seven out of 10, you know, which is not, you know, seven out of 10 is 70%. These are not necessarily C matches or higher. These a seven out of 10 on this scale is a quality, quality match. Um, Crown Jewel had four. You know, I did not watch that show, but it is worth noting that Crown Jewel did have four matches, um, including the women's triple threat. Both Elimination Chamber matches uh, qualified. Uh, Extreme Rules had four. Hell in a Cell had four. So you can kind of get a sense of which, not that we're, again, we're not ranking the pay-per-views, but you get a sense of which pay-per-views had quality matches. And WWE had over 200 seven ranking or higher matches in uh, 2021. I could go back and crunch the numbers. Maybe at some point I will for 2020 or beyond. Uh, main event only had two. Both of them featured Ricochet. One again, once, bleh, one against Mustafa Ali. One against Cedric Alexander. Uh, there was one episode of main event, or maybe it was 205 Live, that was just like a highlight. So it had like the best cruiserweight matches um, in history 
Uh, I didn't count that one. Uh, Money in the Bank, again, had four. NXT had a bunch. Now, I have not crunched the numbers to see which show had the most. But NXT had a bunch. TakeOver, of course, had a bunch. NXT UK had a bunch. Not surprisingly, for those of you who watch NXT UK and believe it is the uh, greatest wrestling show of the week. You know, the Piece of Business podcast says that all the time. But um, Jordan Devlin versus Nathan Frazier way back in January, all the way through until um, most recently the Noam Dar-Tyler Bate match for the Heritage Cup that I still do need to watch. I think that's, I'm not going to catch up. It's a fool's errand for me to try to catch up on NXT UK. I will watch that main event and then hopefully just start fresh. Um, you know, we mock Monday Night Raw. Now, an interesting thing you have to know about Cage Match is they will not, you cannot vote for a match that is less than five minutes in length. Those are not eligible to be ranked, for better or worse. Um, there can be a seven or higher, you can have a five-star match that is less than five minutes, um, but it's rare. Uh, but Raw did pretty well. Raw had quite a few. I would say not as many as um, NXT or NXT UK, which would make sense. And SmackDown had a decent amount as well. The show that probably had the most would be stand uh, NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver, which, again, we must note, caveat, two nights. And WrestleMania, two nights. So while those shows technically are one in the same, WrestleMania is one show that took place on two nights. Stand and Deliver was one show that took place on two nights. Um, You know, they had a bunch, as you would expect. Bad Bunny is on my list as having a match that was ranked seven or above. All right. So again, there were 201 to be specific. Uh, let's get to the actual meat and potatoes of this. Uh, who are the wrestlers? Now, I'll give you a moment to think. Uh, take some time. You pause if you want, or I'll actually give you some wait time here. Um, what wrestler do you think had the most matches that were ranked seven or higher in 2021? Do, 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 do. There's a little freestyle jazz Jeopardy theme for y'all today. Uh, if you said Roman Reigns, uh, you're wrong. Roman Reigns is tied for second with 12. He had 12 matches that were ranked seven or higher. Um, if you said Seth Rollins, you were wrong. He is tied for, I guess it would technically be fourth with 11. Um, if you said, oh, let's see, who might you say? If you said Matt Riddle, you're crazy. Although he was, he had eight, so I suppose you're not that crazy. Uh, the correct answer is Drew McIntyre with 18. 18 matches for Mr. McIntyre were ranked seven or above. Uh, Tying Roman Reigns for second is, interestingly enough, 
Seamus. Now, I am not saying that Cage Match is biased towards European wrestlers. I'm not. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus are great wrestlers no matter what, Hall of Famers no matter what, former world champions no matter what. It is also worth noting that many of the matches that they had that were ranked seven or higher were against each other, quite a few, at least three, maybe four. Um, but that's your top three. McIntyre, clear number one. Sheamus and Roman Reigns tied for second. Seth Rollins and Finn Balor tied for fourth. Uh we had a three-way tie. This would be what? One, two, three, four, five. Three-way five tie for sixth. You've got Bobby Lashley, no surprise. You've got Cesaro. Again, he and Seth Rollins, almost every one of their matches, I think, was ranked seven or above. The interesting one, I think, in this, Jay Uso, 10. Now, maybe people are ranking the story as well as the match. We don't get to know what their decision uh, making was. And then... This, to me, is fascinating. The, the, more, the most fascinating part of this is, so that's your one, two, three, four, five, six. That's your top eight. All main roster guys. Balor technically was in NXT most of the time, but still. All main roster guys. Then we get to a five-way tie with uh, nine matches. Sami Zayn, sure. Kyle O'Reilly, sure. Kevin Owens, sure. All makes sense. Totally get it. Then you have MSK. Now, MSK, to me, are black holes of charisma. I have never liked MSK. I don't understand. The fact that the name doesn't mean anything, or it does and they won't tell us what it means, screw you, MSK. You're dumb. But clearly they're talented. You know, I think a lot of these were multi-tag matches, which always tend to be ranked highly because it's chaotic and becomes a spot fest. We'll talk more about that later. Um, but it is worth noting that Wes Lee and Nash Carter uh, both had nine uh, tag, tag matches that ranked seven or higher. So clearly they're good. I am hopeful that this heel turn that seems to be happening um, will make them more interesting. Uh, in our next group, there's a bunch. You've got Santos Escobar, Riddle, Pete Dunne, Noam Dar, Jordan Devlin, NXT UK, like I said, highly represented, Gargano, Daniel Bryan, we'll come back to him, and AJ Styles. Um, I'm not going to just keep going all the way down, but you know, Ilya Dragunov had seven. Walter, interestingly enough, only had, where are you, Walter? Three. He only had three matches that were ranked seven or higher this year, which to me seems low. But then again, I don't remember him defending the title a lot. Um, when I mentioned to the, uh, the piece of business boys that I was collecting this data and analyzing this data, Jeremy asked if this was going to prove that Pretty Deadly was the best tag team in the world. I can't say that, but it does prove that they both had four matches that ranked seven or higher. Uh, an interesting thing that I'm noticing now, where's the first female on the list? Let's see. Bianca Belair is the highest one. She had six, um, which makes sense. Followed by Shotzi Blackheart, Raquel Gonzalez, Ember Moon, Charlotte. They had five. 
So that's an interesting group of names. I wouldn't have thought Shotzi or Raquel or Ember would be on there. Um, again, we have to consider who's voting. The people, if I went to Mohegan Sun and pulled 100 people walking out of SmackDown, I'd get one answer. If I went to the Performance Center or Full Sail, wherever the heck they're uh, hosting NXT lately, and I were to ask those fans, most of them, I think, would have heard of Cage Match, probably a decent, maybe half or more, would have been registered. Like, those are the people, I think, who are going to vote. Um, so, again... You know, this is take all of this with a grain of salt. Um, oh, I can see an error I made. For some reason, I wrote Timothy Thatchett, who had three, and Timothy Thatcher, who had two. So technically, he has five. Um, and then there's Riddle again with another two. Well, that's interesting. Why is Riddle on there twice? We know this is not a perfect system. If that's true, if Riddle's on here twice, then he technically would have 10, which would put him up there with Uso and Cesaro and Lashley. Our, you know, They do tend to like tag matches. RK Bro uh, was in there quite a bit. I did not go for, you know, just, I did not, um, the way in which I inputted the data did not allow for tag teams to be considered. Perhaps I should have. Uh, you're welcome to do that if you would like. So there's kind of the information. McIntyre right now, based on this one specific data point, should be the MVP of uh, WWE in, in 2021. Whether or not you agree is your own decision. Uh, now let's look at AEW, because I have not uh, crunched the numbers yet. This was last night I did this, and when I finally got to the end, I didn't want to look at a spreadsheet anymore. Uh, now, let's consider the fact that only recently did they add Rampage. Um, so they were, for most of the year, doing one show a week. Uh, we also have to consider that darker elevation, most of their matches are less than five minutes, so we're not going to see that a lot. But I do have the, you know, I could crunch the numbers. I should probably pause and crunch the numbers. Um, Otherwise, I'm stalling while I have to, you know. They had a lot of multi-man matches, so I was filling a lot of cells there. Um, should I crunch the numbers? I probably should crunch the numbers. All right, so let me look here. Let's go here. First things first, let's look at just the shows. Obviously, I think Dynamite's going to be the winner. All Out had six matches. That was a one-night show. Caveats, caveats, caveats. I think it is more likely that AEW fans are going to go on to cage match and vote. Um, AEW tends to have a more, I don't know if hardcore is the right word. WWE attracts casual fans. AEW, I don't think, has gotten to the point where they're attracting casual fans. I think if you're watching AEW, you're watching it for a reason. Um... Maybe you went to CCM Punk and you started to like it, so you kept watching. Maybe you wanted to see Brian Danielson, so you kept watching. Um, I don't know. I suppose that it's possible that you have people who were flipping through channels, came across Dynamite, found Dark on YouTube, and maybe started watching casually. But my gut tells me that if you're paying attention to AEW Brandon Banks, 
um, you have a vested interest in that company. People can watch WWE and not really care. Um, you know, you can watch the pay-per-views and have a pretty decent understanding of what's going on. And if you miss one, it's not the end of the world. Uh, so Dark did have three um, matches. Double or Nothing had six. Dynamite, of course, had the most because that was just the show that existed all year. Elevation had two. Rampage has had a bunch despite only being around since August. Uh, the Women's Tournament, which happened in February, had four. Uh, I don't know half of these names. Obviously, this took place in Japan, so I don't know if these are shimmer talents or what. All right. Do I want to do this? Sure. Let's do this. Let me just sort these things here. Uh, while I'm sorting, I will tell you that the names that are going to appear at the top of this list are going to be... Oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. I should have moved this all over to a different uh, thing. Again, I could very easily pause this and do this. You know what? Why don't I? Why don't I do that? Especially since I can't use the V key. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. Get yourself a snack. Uh, let me know who you think is going to come in the lead here. And when we're back, I'll break down the numbers for you. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, that didn't take that long, but it was good that I paused just because I would have just been babbling incoherently, which I know is not that unusual. All right, let's just face facts. The Young Bucks had the most. They had 20. Matt and Nick Jackson have 20 matches in 2021 that are ranked seven or higher. Now, at this point, last night, I almost threw out all of this data because this shows inherently the bias uh, of the cage match fan base. Are the Young Bucks a good tag team? Sure. Do I actually think so? No, but sure. Most people would think they're a good tag team. Are they someone who should have had 20 matches that were ranked seven or higher? Many of them multi-man matches, inner circle versus the elite sort of things. But it doesn't matter. They showed up 20 times. That to me is excessive. That to me shows a flaw in this system. Um, and I could have tried to, you know, combine the cage match rankings with the Wrestle Observer Dave Meltzer rankings, but it would have just continued to show the bias. Um, needless to say, the Bucks have 20 matches. Uh, Kenny Omega has 15. That, to me, makes sense. He's the world champion. He's a much better wrestler, I think, than the Bucks of youth. Uh, he at 15, totally get it. Darby Allen at 12, awesome. Ray Phoenix at 10, fantastic. Moxley at 9, sure, great. You know, then you've got Pentagon, Pac, Jungle Boy. The interesting thing to me about this whole thing is Brian Danielson, a.k.a. Daniel Bryan. He already has eight. He's been wrestling there for maybe two months. It feels like every one of his matches is ranked seven or higher. And I've watched a decent number of them. They're all pretty good. So don't get me wrong. It's not like it's not deserved. I just think that's interesting. And then when you consider that Daniel Bryan, despite not being, you know, so 
here we go. When did Daniel Bryan debut? Bryan Danielson first match AEW. September 5th, that's when he made his first appearance. Not even his match. He showed up at All Out. So he's been there for two months. All of September, all of October. It's Halloween right now. He had eight matches ranked seven or higher, um, according to Cage Match, in two months. In his time in WWE, whenever that was, when was his last match? Let's look that up. Brian Danielson, last match WWE. We can look that up. Now we go to ProFightDB, another website I use all the time. Uh, he wrestled April. Okay. So April 30th, he has his last match losing to Roman Reigns on SmackDown. Probably was a seven or higher match. So in four full months, he has eight matches in WWE. In two full months, um, in AEW, he also gets eight, which puts him at 60, obviously. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know necessarily. I will tell you, though, that he has had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He has had nine matches in AEW as of this point. So of those nine matches, eight of them have been ranked seven or above. I love Daniel Bryan. I love Bryan Danielson. I think the American Dragon is fantastic. If he's happy, I'm happy. If he loves it, I love it for him. But... I don't know that I actually believe that eight out of nine, what's that percentage, 88% of his matches have been seven or higher. Again, I think we see the flaw in this. I think we are getting a sense of who are the people that go on to cage match. So have I just essentially completely wasted 30 minutes of your time? I don't think so. Is this an accurate representation of the match quality in 2021? Probably not. Is it a better representation than maybe other things? Probably. But I think it's interesting. I think it's interesting to look at this kind of data and crunch the numbers. Um, if only just to say, well, yes, clearly cage match. No, I'm not even going to say the website. Clearly, those who choose to vote on the cage match website probably are more hardcore wrestling fans who are going to be big supporters of Daniel Bryan, who are probably supporters of AEW, and who are watching all of these things. I don't know what the minimum number of votes are, because sometimes you also get that. You know, this match hasn't met the minimum number of votes required to have a ranking. I don't know what it is. Is it five? Is it 10? Is it 30? Is it three? I don't know. But I will continue to try to find some way of quantifying these matches. And to that end, I'm late in this next piece. This is what I did today. Um, a lot of people on Twitter, I noticed, today and, and leading up till this weekend, and the fact that we just had a Halloween Havoc, um, basically said, what is your favorite Halloween Havoc match besides Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero? Because that is clearly the best and most famous Halloween Havoc match. Um, and so I should have done this again leading up to this event, uh, but I used cage match again. And I think in this case, this is probably a better way to use this 
is going through the archives. I went through every um, Halloween Havoc that has been in WCW or uh, the WWE system. A bunch of independent companies have used the name Halloween Havoc, which I find interesting. Either they figured they were too small to get sued, or maybe WWE didn't own the name and let the copyright lapse. I don't know how they got away with it. They didn't even spell it with a K. It wasn't like Halloween Havoc, like the X-Man. Havoc, Alex Summers, brother of Scott and Vulcan, son of Christopher, no, Corsair, uncle to uh, Nathan Cable and Rachel, who probably has a name. Maybe she was she the other Marvel girl. I've been reading X-Men comics, boys. I've been reading them. I'm up to like 1985. I haven't read all of them, but I've been, I've been neck deep in X-Men comics. Um, so I came up with a Halloween Havoc playlist. And I was going to post it on Twitter, but again, it's, it's too late. And so I'm just going to share it with you. Um, and then I was going to do something else, but now that we're 33 minutes in, I think this will be it. This is just a random, I felt like recording a podcast. I didn't, I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I do have the December uh, booking. I need to upload that. I, I didn't feel like doing the Corona Cup today. Um, I wanted to just chat. So here's my playlist. Um, again, these are either matches that are ranked seven or higher or just matches that I remember really enjoying because I have seen now every Halloween Havoc. I'm pretty sure I have at this point. Uh, so we begin with the first one, 1989. Technically, this one only had 6.95 aggregate ranking, but close enough. The main event, Ric Flair and Sting as a tag team uh, taking on Terry Funk and the Great Muda. I mean... You just got to watch. I don't care what it's ranked. You got to watch that. Why are Ric Flair and Sting teaming? Why are Terry Funk and the Great Muda teaming? You get to watch the Great Muda on a WCW pay-per-view. Anytime you get to do that, you should. Uh, 1990 gives us two, again, both tag matches. We've got the Steiners and the Nasty Boys, which I believe were for the U.S. tag team titles, because even back 30 years ago, there were too many belts. Uh, and then we have Doom, who was obviously... I don't need to tell you who Doom was, uh, Ron Simmons and Butch Reed, taking on Arn Anderson and Ric Flair. 1991 brings us the Chamber of Horrors. Now, the Chamber of Horrors is ranked less than three on Cage Match, but you got to watch it anyways because it is just hilarious. The referee's got a camera on his head. Abdullah the Butcher in the electric chair. Very, very early Scott Hall. It's a very fun match to watch. I do recommend it. Um, 93, that is probably, yeah, with the exception of, again, our modern Halloween Havocs. 93 has the most quality matches. You get William Regal versus the Bulldog. I mean, that match was great. Uh, Dustin versus Austin. Dustin Rhodes versus Stunning Steve Austin. Fantastic. And then you have Spin the Wheel, Make the Deal, Texas Deathmatch, Vader versus Cactus Jack. Gotta watch all three of those. Gotta watch all three of those matches. Uh, crazy to think that Dustin Rhodes is still active. Um, you know, Regal's around. McFoley's around. Um, Austin, I guess, technically is around. But Dustin Rhodes still wrestling uh, almost 30 years after that match. Uh, 1995, you gotta watch Hulk Hogan and the Giant doing a monster trucks on the roof. 
You don't need to see the match. The match is terrible, plus the giant, a.k.a. Big Show, should have died. He fell off the roof of the arena, um, which was crazy until Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black did it at Money in the Bank last year. They also fell off the roof of the arena. Um, but yeah, that car, the monster truck thing on the roof is just hilarious. At 1996, Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio, perhaps my favorite WCW feud, just to watch those matches. Then, of course, we get Rey versus Eddie at Halloween Havoc, one of the greatest matches of all time, let alone Halloween Havoc, let alone WCW, one of the period best period ever, period. Uh, 98, you gotta watch Hogan versus the Warrior. It's .5 out of 10. You've got to watch Hogan and the Warrior. Uh, and then also uh, keep the TV on. Keep Peacock rolling after that uh, crap fest so you can see Goldberg versus DDP, which I will tell you, I would have put this on even if I hadn't seen it was seven or higher. That may be Goldberg's best match, honestly. That may be Goldberg's best match. I'm sure there are some I'm forgetting, and there's reasons that the 90-second squashes are good. But Goldberg versus DDP in 98 was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, 2000, the final Halloween Havoc. It did have a good match. Rey Mysterio, who is Mr. at this point, Halloween Havoc. Uh, Jindrak and O'Hare, you know how I feel about that team. Kidman and Mysterio, you know how I feel about that team. And the Boogie Nights. Remember when Disco was Disco with a Q for some reason? Well, obviously because of Cisco, but oh, that was so silly. Uh, that was a triple threat match. That match was pretty good. That is the, the only match, with the exception of the Chamber of Horrors, that's the only multi-person match. No other triple threats, no other fatal four-ways, uh, both old or modern. That's the only one. Interesting little piece of trivia there. Last year's 2020, Gargano versus Priest, Rhea Ripley versus Raquel Gonzalez, which I believe also had a 2021 uh, seven or higher ranking. That's a good feud. Hopefully we see again in WWE because Raquel, she's coming. She's coming. She's coming. Um, maybe she finishes up with Dakota and then makes her debut in the Rumble, which, again, they'd be copying because that's what, in my fantasy world, Raquel Gonzalez is going to do. She's finishing up. She's going to make her debut in the Rumble. Uh, and then you've got Io Shirai versus Candice LeRae. Again, that was the main event of the 2020 Halloween Havoc. And then from this past one, Imperium versus MSK. I really don't like MSK, but I, I forced myself to watch because it was Imperium, even though, was it a Lumberjack match? I can't even remember. It was okay. It, they ranked it higher than I would have. And then Ciampa versus Breaker, that was pretty good. So there you have it. There are 18 Halloween Havoc matches for you to watch. So Halloween's over, but if you still are in the spirit, you're not ready to get your Survivor Series rankings going, um, go ahead and check those out. What I think I'm going to try to do is this will be a longer-term project. I'll find the pay-per-views from November and maybe make a playlist of those. All right there, friends. Uh, that's all I've got for today. I was going to do, I'll just tell you, I was going to go way, way, way back to like 2015. The two contenders, I was going to make uh, an NXT top 10 list. Um, not counting, I was going to focus on the new people. Uh, that was a last minute thing. I figured I'd do it live, but we're 40 minutes in. You've been very patient listening to me babble and blather. 
Uh, so I'll save that for another episode, which is the fun, because I can do whatever I want. My name is DC Matthews at the DC Matthews. Thank you for joining me uh, on this festive spooky day. I'll see you the next time we celebrate the joy of booking. <laughs>